You are locked in to Locked On Badgers on a Friday. As I promised, we spent the last couple of days talking about Wisconsin's COVID-19 outbreak, the cancellation of the Nebraska game. But this episode, this episode is sports. Sports is back on Locked On Badgers. It's almost an all-sports episode. I'm going to give you a quick update on everything going on at the very beginning. My name is Asher Lowe, and I'm the site editor at Badgers Wire, a play-by-play broadcaster for many Badger sports. And of course, your host right out here on the Locked on Badgers podcast, bringing you the insider student perspective filled with stats, special guests, and all things Badger sports. Listen and follow for free wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Go. Break through that wall with the best energy gel on the market. More about what Built Go is and how it helps you break through that wall at work later in the episode. Joining me right now to talk sports, to break down Wisconsin's performance last Friday, to, I'm going to talk about Wisconsin basketball at the end of the show. Got a fun story to talk to you guys about that, about how they've been preparing for this 2020 season. And it's been a weird way they've been preparing, but it'll be fun to talk about at the end. We're also going to get into the Big Ten next week. And joining me to do the football part of this episode is none other than Ben Kenny, the host of the Third and Run podcast and my coworker at Badgers Wire. Asher, it's, it's a weird Friday. It's good to be on, and it's a shame that Wisconsin truly is ducking Nebraska by not playing tomorrow. Yeah, it's amazing. Wisconsin frightened in Nebraska. They pulled themselves out of the game just because they thought they'd lose, as everyone knows. It's pretty obvious why they're doing this, right? Yeah. Um, anyway, quick update before Ben and I get into it all with football in terms of you know, talking actual sports on this episode. Quick update, Wisconsin – did have three additional positive tests Wednesday night slash Thursday morning. The program is now at 16 positive cases. Players are isolating in hotel rooms in Madison. Players without COVID, that is. The other ones are in isolation dorms. So that's the state of the program right now. Barry Alvarez did test negative for COVID-19, which is really good news. Is probably the highest risk person in the entire program at his age. So that is great news out of Wisconsin. Also reported today that Illinois had initial COVID tests. We don't know when they were uh, when they got their first positives, we don't know how many. And there's a lot of information we're missing about that, so I'm not going to get into it much. But that is new news out of the Illini camp. Of course, Wisconsin will not be playing Nebraska on Friday, on Saturday, excuse me. But we did play a game last Friday, Ben. What were your takeaways from last Friday watching the Mertz show? So it, it, it was a show by Mertz. I'm, I'm not going to take anything away from him when I go into this. He looked comfortable as ever. What really surprised me honestly because it was his first start in college was how comfortable he was how decisive he was and how confident he was leading the offense because we know the arm talent and everything is there in terms of pure quarterback play but his leadership and his decisiveness were amazing his ball placement was obviously perfect so that was the first and then going through the defensive front was absolutely unbelievable Keanu Benton looks like a game changer at nose tackle you had upperclassmen, they forced a turnover early in the game. You just had them pressuring, pressuring the Illinois quarterback all night, shutting down their run game. Big plus there. We have a punter, which I know you're very excited about. I'm very excited about the Vuj. Three letters, V-U-J, the Vuj, who had a 60-yard bomb to open his Wisconsin career. A couple other punts that weren't all that, but hey, he's back. The Vooge is a guy that, honestly, a position that Wisconsin was really, really, really struggling with last year was punter and kicker, for that matter. Zach Hintz had to come in and take over those duties from Colin Lars for a bit. Special teams was an area of concern last year, and especially losing Aaron Cruikshank, who really made things happen 
in the return game. It was an area of concern coming in this year, but the Vooj is rely it's given us some reliable, reliable reps at punter. Yeah, pleasantly surprised and excited about that. But my final takeaway, which honestly is the only negative you could take away from this game, is that for three and a half quarters, the running game was was mostly non-existent. I for the first half and in the beginning of the third quarter, my entire takeaway was Mertz was absolutely bailing out the offense because the running game could get nothing going. They obviously, you know, were running the ball a lot. I I don't know the exact amount of carries they had. They had 54 carries. They, they ran the ball a lot. They ran for 182 yards, but it wasn't until the end of the game in the fourth quarter that you really saw running backs get free and start to move the chains because for the first three quarters, Merch's throws were, for lack of a better term, bailing out the offense. I think here's what I'd say about that at first. I think that it's a little bit quick to jump on the running game and say it's failing after one week, especially against a team like Illinois that was trying – with 8-9 in the box trying to make Graham Mertz beat them, and beat them he did. Through one incompletion all game, five touchdowns, of course, setting some program records in the process, 17 straight completions to start his Badgers starting career. That's just ridiculous, ridiculous stuff. But, yeah, the running game didn't look solid. I mean, are we, are we like, shocked? Like, like there's going to be a step down. It's not going to be what it's been for the last three years with a generational talent in Jonathan Taylor, a guy – that is now with the Indianapolis Colts, of course, and the guy that left Wisconsin after his junior year, after one of the best careers, not only we've seen in the Big Ten, but we've seen in college football. There's going to be a slight step back. I think the biggest issue I'd be concerned about with the running game is with a by-committee system, who's going to have like one special game, right? Who's going to have that one game in a big moment where Wisconsin needs a 100-yard rushing game, 150-yard rushing game? Who can provide that? And I don't know if any of these three guys can. When we talk about Garrett Groshek, Nikia Watson and Isaac Arundo, it's going to have to be by committee. And by committee scares me a little bit more than obviously having a guy like Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. But that just shows how spoiled we are as Badger fans to say that that was a terrible performance rushing the football. Garrett Groshek looked good. Looked really good. Uh, 13 carries, 70 yards, over five yards a carry. And he was a guy that many people coming into didn't really talk about much. Like I, I, I'm at fault for that. I don't think I talked about him enough in terms of the running back room. I think I was more focused on you know, the speed of Garendo coming in as a, fre- as a freshman last year and making some waves in the return game at the end of the year. And Akil Watson, a guy that was on Big Ten watch lists. But it's Garrett Groshek who might be the most reliable of the three. Oh, yeah. Well, first, I, I definitely wouldn't say the running game failed them. We saw it really get going late in the fourth quarter. It was more when you look at the performance, the one area that you weren't pleased with was the rushing attack. But part of that is how Illinois loaded up to stop the run. That then opened up space for Mertz. But, yeah, having the committee is especially going to be tough when you go to play a team like Michigan or more talented teams where, you know, you might need, if you get a lead, you're going to need to run the ball and, and kill the clock and play classic Wisconsin football. But I definitely thought Groshek looked the best. I thought, honestly, obviously, Nikia Watson, Isaac Arenda will get more carries moving forward. But I thought Groshek showed enough to win the starting role or at least win you know, the majority of the carries. I thought going in that he would, that he would emerge as the lead guy in the backfield, but he really showed it in, in the passing game, running the ball, blocking. He's, he's the most complete back the offense has at this point. One fantastic question we got when I, I put up some questions. I think it was on Tuesday I put up a thing where I usually do a mailbag Monday on this show, guys, but obviously this Monday was a little bit different given what had just gone down and it changed my entire schedule for the week and what I was going to talk about with the Graham Mertz positive test. 
But a great question I got in that mailbag Monday was from Rye Guy, who is a great follower on Wisconsin Twitter. Uh, Rye Guy asked, how do you utilize the Grambert's epic first appearance as a recruiting tool to build up skill positions? And I think that's a fantastic question to ask. And I think we already saw it being utilized. And Wisconsin, is a, they, don't, they don't have to do anything to utilize it at first because we saw a live reaction on Twitter. I don't know if you saw this as well, Ben, during that game on Friday from recruits, from guys that were commits saying, oh boy, like, I can't wait to get there. I saw Skylar Bell, who's a wide receiver in the 2021 class, talking about Graham Mertz. Braylon Allen, a 2021 commit, talking about Graham Mertz. And guys like Marcus Allen, who's a wide receiver that Wisconsin's trying to get a Michigan D commit in the class of 2021, who I will honestly say I think is probably leading towards Ohio State at this moment in time. But a performance like that from Graham Mertz, that's the kind of thing that can flip a wide receiver. Yeah, I think – I don't even think the program, like you said, needs to use it. But who can really use it are the guys that are already committed or the guys in the 2021 class where we've seen a lot of on Twitter, on social media, kind of the inner recruit recruiting push that Deacon Hill and Braylon Allen, TJ Ballers, and so many guys have started where now, I mean, when, when you're recruiting a player as the program, you're selling them on the culture, on what their role can be, on what their future can be, you know, at the school and with the program. But if you get the other guys, you know, the peers of the undecided recruits, showing them, you know, what Mertz can do and, and hyping up what the program can be. I think that'll be the most, you know, significant uh, recruiting takeaway from, from all this. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that also for Deacon, right, a guy who's a 2021 quarterback commit, not only does it get him really excited, but it gives him some legitimacy when he's like going to recruits. And he's been a guy, guys, when I say legitimacy for him, I mean in terms of his recruiting pitches because he has been a guy who's been going around and trying to gather up that class, make that class what it is today. And to have that as a recruiting tool for Deacon, right, for the other players, to go to a player and say, look what, what, the, look what that guy's doing right now under center in Wisconsin. That's what I can do with you, throwing the ball to you. Uh, or if you want to be on this defense, I'm going to be on the other side of the field, on the other side of the, on the, other side of the Wisconsin offense, and I'm going to be put on a show. And you can see that there's an example right now of a guy at quarterback putting on a show in a Wisconsin uniform. And when was the last time we said that? probably 2011. So, I yep. mean, the guy, the guy named Russell Wilson that people have maybe heard of a uh, time or two, Super Bowl champion Russell Wilson. I, I, on the Russell Wilson track, there's one more thing I need to get off my chest about this game. Sure. And, sure. And, and we're getting into the mailbag. There's one more take that I had, and, and I saw it a lot during the game. So we saw what Mertz did. We saw the tremendous throws he made. And with those throws being made, I'm on Twitter, I'm, I'm online – and everyone's using it to slander Jack Cohn. And all I, obviously I was going to bring Cohn into this, but people need to save uh -huh. their Jack Cohn slander for another day. Save it for another day. Mertz played a tremendous football game, one of the best we've seen at the position for the program, literally ever. But when you think about it, everyone's saying, oh yeah, look at what Mertz is doing. You can't tell me that Jack Cohn wasn't making some of those throws. Danny Davis running 10 yards wide open, Jake Ferguson wide open in the end zone. Paul Christ and Joe Rudolph schemed a perfect game on offense that when they were in the red zone, you know, you saw Mason Stocky leak out, catch a touchdown, Ferguson catch a touchdown. Their offensive game plan was tremendous. And Mertz played a perfect football game, but this yeah. wasn't an indictment on Cone's ability. There were a lot of variables at play, but I, I, people need to save their Jack Cone slander for another day. I don't want to see it. Well, and Jack Cone is such an important part of making Graham Mertz who he is. And will be all year. So I think, 
I think the players and the team will be the first to tell you, like, we wouldn't be here without Jack Cohn even on the sidelines helping us out. He's such an important piece. And when you ask them about him and who he is, they just say he's a leader. He's a guy that people look to. And I've said that on this podcast before. I'll say it again, that Jack Cohn is still an integral part of this team, regardless of whether he's playing on the football field or helping essentially be another coach on the sidelines for a Graham Mertz making his first career start. One other question we got uh, on my mailbag Monday post was about Graham Mertz and his timeline right now. And we're not going to talk much COVID on this, but a quick note on this. His timeline right now, he can return, as I understand it, to game action in 21 days uh, from his first positive test, which was last Saturday, which means that he could return the day before Michigan to game action, which means, of course, he can play in the Michigan game if Wisconsin does end up playing that Michigan game, which right now we just really have no idea what's going to happen in the next week or so. So it's no point on speculating on that. But if a Michigan game is played, Graham Mertz is playing in that Michigan game. And people think he can – People think he has to be in quarantine until that 21-day period is up. He does not. He can return to the football field after he passes cardiology exams and passes negative COVID tests with uh, an entire week of practice time to get ready for the Wolverines. So he can practice for a week. He can play against Michigan, and he can be back for what could be a big-time game for Wisconsin returning to the football field after a week, maybe what could end up being a couple weeks of not playing and of being isolated and away from football team activity. So that's, that's a big story that Graham Mertz could play against Michigan. That's important for this team for sure. Today's Big Ten Week 2 preview and Badger football and basketball talk is brought to you by Built Go. Built Go is the solution to breaking through your wall. If you have that wall on your day, you can think about it now, that time of the day where you're just done and you need a hit of energy that's healthy, lasting, and natural turn to Built Go. It comes in these one and a half ounce packages. You can put it in your briefcase and it is a workout gel that you take like a five hour energy, except without that same crash feeling. It's natural, better for your body than those terrible energy drinks. And it has a third of the caffeine with better results. Available in three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein to have you feeling rejuvenated, fresh, and ready to roll after you've broken through that wall in your day. Visit BuiltGo.com, B-U-I-L-T, capital G, capital O, capital B-U-I-L-T, capital G, capital O.com. Use the promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, all caps, and you will get 20% off your next order at BuiltGo. It does not have to be your first order, just your next order at BuiltGo.com. Use the promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, for 20% off. Today's episode is also brought to you by Coors Light, the beer that is made to chill. And now it comes directly to your house. You're chilling on the couch, you're watching a game, and you need a Coors Light in your hand. You go to get.coorslight.com and you get one of the greatest beers in all the land, brewed in Golden, Colorado at Coors Brewing Company. Coors Light is the beer that is made to chill. Get.coorslight.com to have it shipped right to your house. Chill out with some Coors Light and please enjoy responsibly. And the other test timelines are not as clear because we didn't get exact dates and times of when different names of people tested positive. We just got numbers from the university uh, for the rest of it. So that's that. Grammarts can play against Michigan from everything we know, assuming, of course, he gets clearance from doctors and tests negative for COVID-19. Ben, let's get into week two in the Big Ten, week nine overall in college football. But week two in the Big Ten, 
a lot going on, even though there's no Wisconsin game. Ohio State playing Penn State is probably the marquee matchup, although I think it's not going to be as close as I would like it to be, if I'm being perfectly honest. I, I want to give up my betting picks every week on this, on this show, and it's time to do that right now. Let's talk some lines. Let's talk some spreads. What do you like in week two? Okay, well, I'll preface this by saying I went three and four last week. I made a couple questionable calls, but I had Rutgers outright and plus 13. And did I? I had Rutgers I am, outright as well. I am on the Rutgers, I'm on the Rutgers train, and I'm going to start there, and I'm going to go exactly against what I just said. The one line I, I really like this week is Indiana minus 12 against Rutgers. Now, both, both programs are coming off really impressive wins. Indiana beating Penn State, Rutgers beating Michigan State, but getting a Big Ten win for the first time in a long time. And people are going to be high on Greg Schiano. I am. I like the energy he brings. I like where they're headed. But Indiana has this momentum after going 7-6 and six last year, beating Penn State at home, marquee win to start the year. Now they're 12-point favorites against Rutgers. And you could look at both teams and say maybe they're overvalued because of their game last week. I think Rutgers is more so. Indiana covers, wins by two touchdowns. I'm going to go with my favorite play of the day being – so you're, let's get this clear. Your, your favorite play of the entire slate in the Big Ten Week 2 is Indiana, correct? I, yes. I honestly don't love this slate because it's so tough to know, like, where these teams are and how they're trending. There are some lines I like. I'll tell you I loved Wisconsin minus 11 when that first came out before all the news. Mm. But at this point, the one I like the most is Indiana and the points. My favorite line – of this entire week in the Big Ten is a massive spread. And I think it's going to be covered with ease. With ease. Michigan minus 24 and a half feels like stealing. It literally feels like stealing. That game is going to be 50 to 7. I mean, I don't think that game is... And it says nothing about Michigan to me. Michigan State's the worst team in the conference. And it's I, not even close. I said that on my radio show today. Next to Maryland, who... Let up 43 uh, points. Actually, no, sorry. I forgot about Maryland. Michigan State and Maryland are tied right now at the bottom for the worst team in the conference. Yeah, they are bad. And, and unlike Rutgers or some of the programs at the bottom that are trending in the right direction, you need to hate everything you see from that program. So I love that Joe pick Milton, too. Yeah, Joe Milton and Michigan are going to put up 50, a 50 burger on Michigan State this week. I don't love Indiana minus 12. I honestly would stay away from that game personally. But if I had to take something, I would take the Hoosiers in the points. Northwestern and Iowa, to me, is the most interesting game of the entire slate in terms of where to pick it and probably the hardest to pick with Iowa minus two and a half. I don't think Iowa looked that bad in a loss. They just shot themselves in the foot a bunch, turned the ball over, tons of penalties against Purdue. Spencer Petras actually looked better than I thought he would in a week one game, yet they still lost. Northwestern beat a terrible Maryland team by a 40. The offense looks completely rejuvenated with Mike Bajakian and with Peyton Ramsey, the Indiana transfer under center, as I thought, I think as most people thought it would, it couldn't get worse from what it was last year. It was a complete disaster last year. Northwestern Iowa, if I had to lean, I'd go Iowa minus two and a half. What do you see in that game? Well, I like, I like Iowa minus two and a half, actually, only based on the theory of when you have one team coming into a game that just won by 40 and uh, surpassed every expectation, and you have another team that really let people down last week, that's when you go to the team that disappointed last week, you know, because, because the spread has moved towards the team that won by 40. I, um, I was at that. That sounds, that sounds like analytics to me over analytics. I don't know if the numbers would actually back that up, but that is a very analytics take of you. I've, 
yeah, I've convinced myself that, that it's the case and, and I've done it. I'm not saying it's worked, but I like Iowa here. Spencer Peters looked good. He looked good against Purdue, a lot better than I thought, like you said. And I, I was not going to be a team that contends in the West this year, but I, like, I, just the way that these two teams are trending, this is when you take the line of the two-and-a-half-point favorite, even though the, team, the other team just won by 40. Because I have promised to give out every single Big Ten spread pick all year, I'm going to do that right now real quick with the other games, and then we're going to talk Ohio State, Penn State to finish this out, this Big Ten Week 2 talk. I'm going Minnesota minus 19 and a half. Yep. I'm going Michigan minus 24 and a half, which I already said is my play of the day. Purdue at Illinois. I'm going Illinois plus seven. A lot of people want Purdue minus seven. I think Illinois has a bounce back. Indiana minus 12 or 11 and a half. I've seen it at as well. Whatever number you can get that at, I'd take the Hoosiers and the points, although I don't love it. Iowa minus two and a half is probably my second biggest play I'd take. And then with Ohio State and Penn State, Ben, I'm going against every single logical bone in my body here. No. I, I think Ohio State logically is going to win this game by 40. Oh. But I also have this absolutely weird feeling that Penn State is going to play the football game of their lives on Saturday. I think this game is going to be really close, down to the wire, and there's no logic I can back it up with. If you watched week one, I think there is no logic you can back it up with. Penn State plus 11 and a half all day long, every day of the week for me in that game, and I have no idea why. I just feel it. Well, That's you, can, you can use the logic that I just used to take Iowa. Penn State's right. coming Penn off State a disappointing. One by 40, yeah. Yeah, that's arguably, arguably perfect logic. I mean, Penn State didn't play a bad football game against Indiana. They just gave they the Hoosiers – they didn't play a good one, but they gave the Hoosiers the game in essence. But it's I, – I mean, it's tough to see them keep up with Ohio State scoring with pretty much their entire running back room out. Sean Clifford looks like Sam Ellinger. He was, he was uh, inconsistent, inaccurate, didn't look like the quarterback that we thought he would be coming into the year. And Penn State without Micah Parsons is just not the same team. So I agree with every yeah, one of your in picks. In the fourth quarter he did, though. In the fourth quarter he did. Yeah, yeah. But I, I agree with all of your picks except for this one. Ohio State rolls, wins big. No one, no one in the Big Ten is really – like I think they are, again, like they were last year, the best team in the country. I was all over Ohio State in week one against Nebraska. It worked out for me. They didn't look <laughs> that great, and they won 52-17. Thank obviously. you, Ryan Day. Because that was one of the easier – no, no, no. It would have hit anyway without that late touchdown. It would have hit anyway. It was minus 26 was the final line. So it would have cashed anyway without the late tutty. But that did hit the over and the team total over. Thank you, Ryan Day, for Vegas better <laughs> at the end there. If you guys don't know, Ryan Day ran a fourth and goal, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, no, fourth two. and one. Fourth and one from the five. Was it really from the five? Something close to that, yeah. It was, it was a QB run with a backup QB. Scored a touchdown with about 30 seconds left and ended up apologizing for it later. So, like, literally, he actually, like, formally apologized to Nebraska and the team that Wisconsin is ducking for beating them 52-17 at the end of that football game. Have you ben, talked about – a fun week. Yeah, what's up? Real quick, have you talked about that tweet? Have you talked about the Husker sports poll that, the, that they ran the other day? No, I, I – see, because I tried to keep this episode away from COVID as much as possible. We did a pretty good job of that. But if you want to mention it, go ahead. It, it's abysmal. No, it was, abysmal more, it was more about the absolute delirious Nebraska fan takes that are circling right now and how separated from reality they actually are. So just, just to go through it quickly, there was a poll ran by a prominent radio station that covers Nebraska athletics, and it pretty much asked if the Cornhuskers had six players and six staff members out 
with COVID, would the game be played? And the results really skewed towards yes. Pretty much they think that the Big Ten and Wisconsin are out to get them and ducking because two of the quarterbacks had tested positive for COVID, which first of all, they, they are happy about a performance from last week when they got absolutely blown out. They're taking positives away from losing 52 to, to 17 or whatever it was. And, and second, like they, they think that any bone in Derry Alvarez's body is scared of what their football program brings. That's all. I, it was a I comical can't believe take. it. I, 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 I really couldn't believe not only the Nebraska fans on Twitter, because that doesn't surprise me that, that I can believe. Right. But the amount of like big reporters that were like, yeah, Wisconsin should forfeit this game. It's ridiculous. Oh. They're just trying to get out of it. I mean, are you, are you out of your mind? Like, are you, are you literally, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to back this all up on Monday. I don't want to talk about it today because it is COVID related. Right. I'm going to back it all up on Monday with much more, but for now, I'm going to get into some basketball talk with a really fun story out of Wisconsin's preseason camp and how they're prepping for this year. Ben Teddy, thank you for coming on talking some football with me. Let's, let's have a good week too in the Big Ten. Yep. Good time. Can't wait. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Final segment of our final episode of the week here on Locked On Badgers. Let's talk some basketball. It's been a little while, but some news to share with you. Wisconsin will play Louisville in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. The non-conference schedule is still getting set for the Badgers. And one thing Wisconsin's been doing to prepare, and we've talked to Coach Greg Gard about this, some players about this in our meetings over the last couple weeks, our press conferences with the team, with the media. And with the way this season is structured, you never really know how many non-conference games you're going to play until they happen. You don't know if the games are actually going to happen at all. You try to schedule, but really you're just left unsure of what's going to come for your non-conference. Like I said, Wisconsin did just schedule Illinois in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Wisconsin does have Marquette on the schedule, but we're not sure of exactly when, what time, where these games are going to take place. We know the where, actually. Wisconsin will be playing Louisville at the Kohl Center. But obviously, how many of these games will happen? How many won't? There's going to be variables that we can't really account for. So what is Greg Gard doing about that? What is Wisconsin doing about that? They're having this team condition like they've never conditioned before, running the hills running the stairs at Camp Randall. Obviously, running Bascom is the classic. That's the classic hill at Wisconsin, as you, as many of you listening know, have walked up Bascom Hill time and time again, out of breath going to class. Wisconsin basketball is focusing on conditioning because they're trying to control what they can control. There's the unknown, and they're taking some insight from the Miami Heat. And you might say, well, why Miami? Why the Miami Heat? Where do they get the inspiration from there? The Miami Heat are known, and of course they just went to the NBA Finals, lost to the Lakers in six games, have one of the best coaches in the league in Eric Spolstra, multi-time champion. The Heat have won multiple championships just in this generation alone. And you might wonder, well, what's so special about them beyond the fact that, you know, they've been a successful organization. The Miami Heat are notoriously, 
notoriously difficult and insane when it comes to their conditioning. There's this thing called the Miami drill, and Wisconsin's been doing it. Micah Potter told us that Greg Gard has taken from the Miami Heat and actually used the Miami drill in practice. So what in the world is this drill? To be a Miami Heat player, there's a drill you have to do where you're just running sprints, and they're timed. You have to do a certain amount of these sprints across the court in a minute. And if you don't get it, you go again and again and again. And you have to get it, or you can't be admitted to training camp. It's that hardcore. And that's the level Wisconsin wants to condition themselves to, to look at the best team in the NBA, the best conditioned team in maybe any sport in America, the Miami Heat. Like, they literally take it that seriously. There was actually a picture I saw of Dion Waiters, who played on the Heat, and then then played on the Lakers, actually. He was actually the only guy this year on both finals teams at one point, so he would have gotten a ring either way, which is funny. Out of Syracuse, though, Dion Waiters has been in the league for a while. There's a picture of him when he came to Miami with his shirt off, and a picture after. Different human being. They take it so seriously, and it's so important to that franchise. And it's awesome to see Wisconsin preparing this way because they could be playing three games in three days all of a sudden, right? They could get added to an early season tournament. They could not be playing for a whole month, and they want to be ready to play when the time comes. It's going to be a weird basketball season, but I want you guys to know that Wisconsin is preparing by being the best-conditioned version of themselves that they've really ever been in the Greg Gard era. And players, they've had mixed reactions to it. Uh, You know, I mean, obviously, Demetri Trice was joking about how hard it was. Uh, Aleem Ford was like, "Eh, it's been tough. Was joking about that. But at the end of the day, they've all said the same thing, which is that it makes them better, and it's important to be the best-conditioned team in the country in a year as uncertain as this one. As always, on Wisconsin, thank you for the kind words in the reviews on Apple. If you guys could leave some more reviews on Apple, that would be a huge help to the podcast. As always, on Wisconsin, see you next week, next Monday, on Locked on Badgers.